All right, well, everybody, we're in a series uh, simply called Reflections. If you have been out for the last couple of weeks or you're a guest, let me tell you what's going on. I took my first sabbatical uh, of my ministry career this summer. I was gone for 11 weeks. And so what we planned for us to do when I returned was simply to talk about some things that God would be speaking to me about that would also be important for you. God spoke to me about some things that are just for me. But these four things that we're doing are for you as much as for me. And uh, so we started out the series, uh, again, because these are not really related in any other way, except four things we're reflecting on. We started out the series when God spoke to Moses and said, come up to me. And I shared with you how God had called me to do something different, to seek him. And I think God is saying the same thing to us as a church family. I believe God is calling us to seek him in a way we never have so that we can get something we've never had. I want to remind you that that's not a message that you can just hear once, check a box and put it behind you. It's not a message that you could probably achieve in six days and come back ready for another sermon. That's something you're probably going to have to continue to, to apply to your life over the coming weeks and months, maybe even years, as you seek God in a way you never have. The second reflection that we had last week, we talked about how we want to recommit. I think almost every hand all weekend long went up to say, I want to recommit to finishing my course. God put me here to do something. He's got a purpose for my life. I want to make sure that that's what I do. Nothing in this world is going to be more important than finishing my course. So you guys ready for another reflection? Yeah. All right. Well, this one, even though they are not related, is a natural follow-up to last week. And that's, I guess, just God or coincidence. I believe it's God. But anyway, back to the point. Do you ever stop and think about where you are on this course in life, right? We all said, I want to finish my course. Do you ever stop and evaluate where you are? Let me ask it in a different set of words because it's the words I'm going to be using all day today. Do you know the season you're in? You know, everything happens in seasons. Our life happens in seasons because everything happens in seasons. If you look at the world around you, the weather happens in seasons, right? Everywhere else that you go in the world, there are four seasons. Uh, here in the hot, humid south, we have a fifth season for July and August, but I'm not going to share its name because I'm preaching and that would not be appropriate, but you all know you've seen the memes, right? Flowers come in seasons, fruit comes in season, birds migrate in seasons, leaves, leaves come in season, then fall in season. I mean, look, everything is done in a season. The bees pollinate in season. And we know the reality about nature. If any of those things tried to operate outside of season, our world, it would actually be catastrophic for our world. Now, it may not be catastrophic for your life, just may be really unfortunate or a difficult season, but if we don't know the season we're in and we don't see what God is doing, we can definitely kind of mess things up. And the reason this was something for me to reflect upon is I took a sabbatical again. It was my first one ever. So it was my first one in 30 years of full and part-time ministry. It was my first one as 13 years as lead pastor and the one thing I knew for sure was coming out of sabbatical starting right now, I would be in a completely different season than I'd ever been in. I mean, the church is in a completely different place. When I started as lead pastor 13 years ago, there were about 100 people and I didn't know how to preach, right? And, and for those of you that were here back then, which is, by the way, a very small number, but for those of you that were there back then and continue to put up with my preaching, there's actually a special room in heaven with chocolate donuts just for you for coming through all of that. But as you can tell, we've We've grown a little bit. God's blessing has been upon us. And so I know that our next season is going to be different. We spent the last 13 years trying to figure out that we should even say hello to the guest, maybe provide a parking space for them. 
And now because of what God has done here, we're gonna enter a new season of of trying to be more effective in our world and the ministry God has called us to. So I know that the season is changing. My personal season is changing. I've been married for 27 years. And you know, if you've ever been married, some of that is like just trying not to kill each other, right? That's that season. And so the next 27 years in front of me now is the season of enjoying that we did not kill each other. And you know, we're just, things are changing. And so the first 27 years, I was having children. We were having children. And, and you know, if you've ever been worried about can you have kids or, or whatever, and, and what do you do in that season? You're having a child and you're scared to death of it. Look, it's actually pretty easy. Just keep them alive. Feed them, keep them alive. That's all you got to really do. But now I'm entering a new season because from this point moving forward, all of my children are going to be teenagers and moving into adulthood. Look, now I've got to worry about the fact that they can think. They come up with ideas. The world says things and you've got to go back and say, hey, but here's what God says. And I mean, it's a real prayer struggle sometimes and a real like sit down conversation struggle. So look, the season changed for me and I knew it was going to be a different season. The question for you is, do you know what season you're in? And do you know what God is doing? Let me give you a picture. I've been to Africa a lot of times and when I'm in Africa, you can go from a city to maybe a small village. In most cases, where you're just going to a small village, there's only one road to get there. And that road may not be very well developed. I've got a friend of mine that pastors in Alaska, exact same scenario. He says, if we're going from a city to a small outpost or a particular cabin or something, there's only one road to get there. It's not very well developed. And half of the year it's covered in ice and the other half of the year it's covered in mud. Now here's the point that I'm trying to make. You can be on course on that road and still find yourself stuck in the mud and not moving. And so some of you last week said, God, I want to finish my course. I want to be on course. I want to do everything you've called me to do. The truth is you may be on course, but you also might be equally frustrated because you don't know what God is doing. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You haven't taken time to evaluate the season you're in and you're just really, really frustrated. So that's why I think God wants us to take a time today and just really reflect on the season we're in. I'm going to show you some different passages of what God has to say about seasons. And uh, because of just the way we're going to go about this, it'll be easier for you to simply look at the screen than to try to flip and keep up. But I'm going to start with probably the most famous verse in the Bible on seasons that you all thought was uh, written by a rock band in the 60s. But no, it's actually written by God. It says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. What that means is very, very simple. There is a season for you to prepare for your career. And then there is a season for you to succeed in your career and climb the ladder. There is a season for you to scrimp and save and cut back so that you can start that business that's been a dream in your heart. And later there will be a season to enjoy the fruits of your labor and to celebrate the success of your business. There is a season to prepare for marriage. And then there is a season to be married. There's a season to train. There's a season to compete. There's a season for absolutely everything that God is doing. And if you don't know the season, you'll find yourself trying to do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season. We will reap. Very important thing to understand is you will not reap outside of season. Doesn't matter how much you want to. Doesn't matter how much you kick and scream. Doesn't matter how much you yell at God. We will reap in due season. And sometimes that requires waiting on God because every season has its purpose and its timing. Deuteronomy 11, another example for you. says, he will give the rain for your land in its season. Why? 
because there is an early rain season, there is a later rain season, so that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. Here's, here's the deal. The rain is going to come at the right time. It's not going to come at another time. And you have to know the season you're in because if you don't, then you're going to plant and your seed's going to all be washed away or you're going to put the seed out and it's all going to wither up and dry in the sun. You've got to know the season you're in. If you don't, let's just stay with this farmer picture we've got going for a while. Then you won't plant when you should. You won't harvest when you should. You won't labor when you should. You won't rest when you should. Instead, you're going to be doing just the opposite. And, and you're going to rest when you should be working hard, so you're going to miss out. Or you're going to work hard when you shouldn't be wasting your effort. Putting seed out at the wrong time of year is going to get you nowhere. Or you may be waiting for something that's not going to come because you don't know the seasons. Like if you're waiting for rain, but it's past the rainy season. We can do this all day long, right? Matter of fact, let's lay the farmer analogy aside for a minute. I'm going to put this to you very, very plainly. If you don't know the season you're in, you'll miss out on what God is doing around you and what God intends to do in you to prepare you for what he plans to do through you. You see that? Think about that. Our circumstances, God is in the midst of. Sometimes we forget the fact that God has promised he is working all things together for the good of those who love him. God is, is intricately working all of the circumstances around us in order to do something inside of us that'll prepare us for what he wants to do through us to make a change in this world in the next season. But if we don't understand that, then we just look at our circumstances and we're frustrated, we're angry, we're mad at God, we're mad at other people. And then we're not getting what God's trying to do inside of us and then nothing comes through us at least not the degree that we want. Let's go back to the farmer picture for a minute because it works and it's in the Bible, right? I want you to imagine that you and nine of your friends, you have 10 farms, right? You get to decide wherever it is, whatever's most picturesque to you. If you want the American Midwest, you go with that. Personally, I'm going to imagine the Italian countryside, Tuscany. That's, that's what's in my head as I tell you this story. And so I guess for me, we're going to be doing 10 vineyards, all right? Anyway, so here's the point. I want you to imagine that your nine neighbors and your nine friends, they go out and they plant in planting season. I need you to hear what I'm about to say. It doesn't matter how they felt they planted. It doesn't matter what circumstances arose they planted. And it doesn't matter what everybody else was doing or what party was going on down the street. They planted. Did y'all get those three things? That's important because that's what gets us out of season. Didn't matter how they felt. Didn't matter what circumstances arose. And it didn't matter what everybody else was doing or how it looked. They planted because it was planting season. And then harvest season came. And they reaped a harvest and they took it to market and they sold it and they made money. And now they're going to take their money. They're going to renovate the barn because it needed it. They're going to buy more fields. They're going to buy more seed. They're going to have a bigger harvest next year. They're going to take some of that money. They're going to take a trip. They're going to celebrate. They're going to have a huge party to celebrate a good season well lived. Imagine, on the other hand, you didn't do what they did. You didn't plant in season. Let's imagine that maybe one day you woke up, you knew it was planting season, but you just didn't feel like it. The next day you woke up, you knew it was planting season, but your circumstances were adverse. They just came against you. Can I just tell you something? Adverse circumstances come up with the sun every single day. 
Next day, you still know it's planting season, but you, you get distracted because you see other people out having fun and they're doing something. So you go and join them and say, I will plant tomorrow. And unfortunately, every day had adverse circumstances or you didn't feel like it or there was a party down the street and you just never planted. And now harvest season is here and you don't have anything to harvest. You don't have anything to take to market. You don't make any money. And now you're looking around and you are bored. You know how boring it is to watch your neighbor's crops grow for six months? Anybody ever watched something like wheat grow 12 hours a day for six months? It's boring. The only thing more boring than watching their wheat grow is watching your nothing grow. And you are bored with life. And you feel stuck. And you're frustrated and mad at God. Just for the fun of it, we're going to take a real quick self-diagnostic test. If you are frustrated with life, if you feel absolutely stuck, and if you think you're bored and can't figure out why God won't just let you move on to whatever dream is in your heart, you don't know the season you're in. You have missed out on what God is doing, and you're missing out on what God is waiting on from you. The good news is I'm not going to leave you there. That's not the end of our message. And before we're done today, I'm going to help you figure out how to take a step forward. But I'd like to give you a really practical picture, if I could. And it's one that played out in my life as I was having this reflection all throughout the year as God's speaking to me about knowing the season I'm in and what, what is happening in season. During this time, I happened to, to be watching Kent and, and Lane uh, build a new house. And, and this season went on, honestly, for a long time. Years ago, three, four, five years ago even, we would sit in their older home, their previous home, and they would dream you see, Lane loves to be hospitable. She's the, the queen of hospitality. She throws great parties. She cooks good food. And, and she's like Martha Stewart with all the decorations. If you ever get invited to Lane's house for a party or anything, just say yes. Change every other date in your calendar. You have to ju just say yes. Uh, the problem is they, they really wanted to open up their, their home to more ministry, but their, their kitchen and living room was a little tight. So their parties were small. And, and they just wanted to do more. And they felt God was calling them to do more. So they said, hey, I think we, we want to have a, a bigger house. We want to either buy something or build something. And so then they talked to a builder and figured out how much it would cost, and then they laid that dream down. But then, you know, sometimes it stays in your heart, and they picked it back up, and they laid it back down, and they picked it back up. And eventually it came time to say, God's going to provide, we're going to do this. So about two years ago, they, they sold their house, and they started the journey of building their new house. Now, here's the thing. Kent's office is right beside mine. So at least once a week, if not sometimes a couple times a week for about two years, I'd walk up to Kent and say, How's the house going? And well, I want to walk you through a little bit of what that journey was like. I, I walked up to Kent one day and said, how's the house going? He said, well, we, we moved into our apartment. How's the house going? Well, there's all this stuff wrong with our apartment. We're waiting on them to fix it. How's the house going? Oh, we're meeting with the architects. How's the house going? We're meeting with the builder. How's the house going? Oh, we're meeting with the architects again. How's the house going? We're waiting on approval from the HOA. You want to know how many times I heard that one? How's the house going? We're waiting on permits. How's the house going? Waiting on the weather. How's the house going? Waiting for materials. How's the house going? I think they're going to dig something today. How's the house going? They started a foundation. How's the house going? Well, they're putting up walls soon. How's the house going? Well, they're starting to put the roof on. 
How's the house going? Let me ask you a question right now. Are you sick of me doing this? <laughs> See, actually, I'm trying to help you understand something about us in our seasons. And that is that we always want to move faster through the seasons of life than we probably should. You don't even want to hear me recount their two years for five minutes. You're already bored and wishing I would shut up and move on. Imagine living it for two years. And that is the very scenario that you and I find ourselves in because God says, okay, well, let's just settle down in this season. I'm going to do a little something in you. And we're like, no, God, I'm in a hurry. I don't have time for you to develop me. I am just fine. I need to move forward. I mean, is there anybody else like me that believes that life is just short and we need to move as fast as we can from one point to the next? You give me a course and I'm going to get on it and I'm going to go as fast as I can. We are not stopping for the bathroom. We are not stopping for food. And I am doing 10 miles over the speed limit every single bit of the way because I have a lot to do in a short amount of time, right? I mean, that's just... And when God's like, no, we're working on you because I got something I want to do through you. You see, we always want to move faster through the seasons of life than we probably should. And that leads us to the second thing that this story can reveal to us. And that is that quite often we want to skip something in a season. We want to try to shortcut a painful developmental season in life. And when you get frustrated and you don't want to wait and you try to skip something, well, it, it always comes with consequences. Like if you can just imagine if, if Kent and Lane did not know that they were in permit-getting season. They're just frustrated. Like, I, I mean, I don't know what's happening. The house is never getting started. Nobody's doing anything. We got the plans from the builder. Just nothing's happening because they're not getting permits because they don't know they're in permit-getting season. And another month goes by, I don't know what's happening. We're just waiting, getting nowhere. Another month, I don't know what's happening. We're just waiting, getting nowhere. See, if you don't know the season you're in, you don't even see what God is doing, then you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You've got to know the season that you're in. But imagine they knew that they were in permit-getting season, but just decided to shortcut it. Imagine if they were one of those folks who thought, permits? That just sounds like paperwork. Nobody's going to notice. We've got the plans from the builder. I'll go down to Home Depot. We'll get some wood delivered. We're just going to go ahead and get this, this show on the road. Some of us have tried to do life that way. Look, let me tell you what is going to happen if you skip the permits, especially in their HOA. Somebody's going to show up when you got half a house built, and it's going to be very expensive to fix because they're going to make you tear it all down and start over. And see, some of us, we have likewise in our own lives, we've, we've kind of skipped out on some of the work God wanted to do in our souls or the work God wanted to do in our relationships or the work God wanted to do in preparing us for what came next. And so now we've built something, but we've built it the wrong way. And I promise you this, you can build out of God's season, but if you do, you can't build something that'll last. It's either gonna get torn down by God working in you, or it's going to get torn down by the world around you. It's going to be a painful process. It's going to cost a lot. Maybe not in money. Maybe in relationships. Maybe in repentance. You know, when you get outside of things, sometimes you have to go, oops, and you have to repent. Maybe in humility of recognizing you've done something wrong outside of God's timing. And if you've ever been there and got this t-shirt, by the way, it doesn't feel like humility. It feels like humiliation, doesn't it? Here's the problem. You actually can shortcut a season. Because of the brokenness of our world, you can actually skip something that you need and you can shortcut a season. Let me give you the perfect analogy 
or at least the one that I see happening in our world the most, and that's of pro athletes. Just, just a perfect picture. And, and no offense to any pro athlete or if there's ever one that happens to be watching. It's not personal. It's just the reality. Someone's talent with a ball at 20 years old can allow them to completely bypass so many maturity and developmental things that should be taking place in their lives. And they find themselves with so many millions of dollars that they don't know how to steward it. And those millions of dollars provide opportunities that they haven't developed the character to withstand. And all of those millions of dollars and their talent gives them influence with the world that they don't know how to handle. And usually it all comes crashing down, all because their talent at 20 was greater than everything else. See, the world can allow you to shortcut a process sometimes. Now, some of you are looking at me and going, well, Jimmy, I'm not a pro athlete, so I didn't do that. You know what? I bet every one of us did it in a different way. Because every single one of us, and some of you are maybe on the way still to this, because I look around the room, some of you are a little younger. But every one of us at some point got tired of our parents telling us what time to come home got tired of our parents telling us to make our bed and got tired of our parents telling us to eat our broccoli and we all said, I can't wait till I turn 18 and I will do what I want my own way. And you shortcut a season. And how did that go? Most of us have that t-shirt or tattoo actually probably. <laughs> you wish you didn't have. Look, here's the deal. If you skip something in a developmental season, it's gonna come with consequences. If you could just, let's go back to Kenton Lane's house. I want you to imagine about two years of living in an apartment at some point. Let's just say they just got tired of it and they were just done. And they go to the builder and say, we're just done. We're moving in. Say, well, it's not quite ready. I mean, we did paint the walls the other week, but still not quite ready. We, we don't have any of the sewer lines hooked up. We don't care. Y'all see where this story's going, don't you? So they move in. Every time they flush, under the house. Goes nowhere, just kind of ruminates. Neighbors are out walking the dog. <laughs> but you know, none of us want to admit it's our problem, right? So Kenton Lane goes and stands outside as people go, they go, no, it's this house over here. You see, at some point, you just got to admit you live in a stinky house. You skipped something that God wanted to do. There is a mess around you. And you are only going to be able to sniff and point the other direction for so long before everybody figures out, this isn't right. And if you have found yourself in a stinky house for a season because you missed something, it's very simple. You just need to own it. The biblical word is confess. Confess. Raise your hand and say, it's us. We skipped the whole sewer thing. It's all our fault. Sorry, neighbors. It's, it's me. And the second thing is fix it. The biblical word is repent. It means to change, to turn. Go get the sewer stuff hooked up. If you have found yourself in a messy season, confess it, own it, live up to it, and then go and change it. Repent. By the way, I need to share something else with you because skipping something is not the only way that you derail your life for a season. I want to show you what is probably my favorite passage in all the Bible about seasons. And I'm going to start with the end goal. It's Psalm 1, but I'm going to start with verse 3. 
It says, he is like a tree, he or she is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Come on, who wants that? And its leaf does not wither. Who wants that? In all that he or she does, they prosper. Who wants that? It means that you are planted by a stream of life-giving water. It doesn't matter if adverse uh, things come against you, like the heat and the sun, your leaf is not going to wither. Everything you do is going to prosper. Who, seriously, raise your hand, wants that to be the story of your life? Well, then let's back up because the first two verses tell us how to get there. Verse one says, blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the seat of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Let me explain those three things. First of all, walks not in the counsel of the wicked. That means that you're not getting advice and counsel for how to get through your season and follow God from ungodly people. The world cannot tell you how to follow God's plan for your life because they don't believe there is a God with a good plan for your life or that you need to spend your life honoring him. Second thing, nor stand in the way of sinners. That's when we say, I'm just gonna do it my way. I'm going to do what I think is best. And the third one is sit in the seat of scoffers. That's someone who is mocking. They're pointing at everyone around them. Look, if you have found yourself in a messy season, stop pointing at your neighbor. Just look in the mirror. And then the real answer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. If you want to succeed in your season and on your course, God's in charge of the seasons, everybody. God's the one that planned your course. We need to know what he's doing. Now, that being said, I'm gonna wrap up with two very, very simple things because here's the truth. You could know the season you're in and be doing absolutely nothing about it. Remember the bees? Imagine there's a bee going, well, look at all the other bees. They're just buzzing around. They're pollinating all those flowers. Boy, it sure is fun to watch. See, you could know your season and be doing absolutely nothing about it. So if you know your season, I wanna give you the two things that you need to get into your life in order to not be frustrated, bored, missing out, and mad at God. And the first one, very simply, do what needs to be done in this season. Do what needs to be done in this season. If I could go back to the analogy of Kent and Lane's house, let me tell you as a pastor what I see in most people. Most people's lives reflect someone who shows up every day at the construction site and never builds a thing. Everybody's looking and going, someday there's going to be a beautiful house here. They're just dreaming. Look, if you want a beautiful house, you may need to show up at the construction site and pick up a hammer. Do a little something. Contribute to the process of what you want to come out of your life. My season in life has me having the great privilege, in my opinion, of mentoring people who are in seasons a little younger. I get to mentor a lot of 20-somethings that feel called to ministry to follow God with their lives. And the problem is when a 20-something comes to me and says, oh, I just can't wait till I get to preach like you. Oh, I can't wait till I get to lead worship like so-and-so. Oh, I can't wait until, I can't wait until, I can't wait until. It's not just waiting. There is something to be done in the season you're in. God is up to something in your life. You have something to do to cooperate with what God is doing. There is something that needs to be done in this season. If you're in college, you need to do more than just get a degree. If I were to ask, you're in college, you say, well, my job is to get a degree. Well, that's the bare minimum because guess what? Everybody else in college is gonna get one too. And then you can find yourself unemployed, even with a degree. 
Actually, what you need to do in that season that you're responsible for is you need to become the best you can be in your field. When the teacher says a 10-page paper, you do 12 because you need to learn more than everybody else turning in a 10-page paper. When a teacher assigns a book, you need to find another one because you need to get better than everybody else. You're in high school. You need to know what you are responsible to do. Your homework, start there. Honor your parents because they're still paying the bills. Start there. But go beyond that because you don't want to be like every other person who's leaving home at 18 with a diploma. No, you want to set yourself up. Are you going in the military? You want to be ready. Are you going to do an apprenticeship? You want to know more than everybody else on their first day. Are you going to college? You might want to get into a good one in your field of study. Whatever season you're in, are you single? Prepare yourself to get married. You probably need to be doing more in your single season than just swiping and waiting. All right, you get the point? Do what needs to be done. We already talked in this series about Elijah when he was building uh, the altar and calling down fire from heaven. He was in a bit of a competition, we'll say, with the 450 prophets of Baal, a false god. And they were going to set up an altar and call down fire from heaven by their false god, which they could not do. And then Elijah was going to prove that our God, the God of the Bible, the God of the heaven and the earth is the one true God. And so as the prophets of Baal tried and it didn't work and then they all turned to Elijah and they go, okay, we're ready for the fireworks. We're ready for the show. We're ready to see the power of God. Whoop. I mean, but that's not what happened because Elijah says, oh, y'all ready to see the power of God? All right. And he turns around and he finds a stone comes over and he sets it up. He goes and he finds another stone and he comes and sets it up. And he sets up 12 stones. Then he goes to get some firewood and he gets some log and he brings it over here and he sets up the log. And he goes and he gets another log and he brings it over here and he sets up another log. And I bet nobody was having fun watching this. And after he finally gets enough logs and he builds up his, his little wood fire pile, then he's got to go prepare the sacrifice and he gets the bull. And since some of you are pet lovers, I'm just going to say he had to prepare the bull. And after he did what needed to be done in season, he said, God of heaven and earth. There are too many of you that are mad at God because you are praying your brains out. God, send fire from heaven in my life. God, why won't you move? He's like, I don't see any firewood. Hey, me, you're waiting on. Give me, give me some firewood down there. Second thing, trust what God is doing. Trust what God is doing. See, it's partly on you to do what needs to be done, and then it's partly on the one who has planned your course and who is directing your seasons. Trust what God is doing. That means trust his process and trust his timing. And can I get an amen? We all hate both of those, right? Come on, somebody with me. Man, come on, God. Get on my timeline. Matter of fact, if I could just share with you, sometimes God is doing something in a season that will frustrate you, and you usually won't see it until afterwards. How many of y'all know it is so easy to look back at your life and go, oh, I see what God was doing? But it's really hard to look at your life right now and go, oh, I see what God is doing. So I've shared a little of this story, but I'm going to make it very relevant. 
uh, before I became a pastor for a paycheck, when I was a volunteer youth pastor and a volunteer worship pastor, kind of learning at what God had called me to do, I spent 11 years after college as a band director, high school and middle school band director, music teacher. And I knew I was called to be a pastor when I was 16. I went and got a music degree just so I could then go to seminary or Bible college and, and take that step. But somehow I ended up teaching and I, I asked God, okay, that's good for a year. I'll grow up. Now next year I'll be a pastor. And then another year and another year. For over a decade, do you know how frustrating it is to feel like you are in a season that is not moving for over a decade, for 11 years? My friends are going on mission trips. I've got to go to school because the school year is in. My friends are going to conferences. I got to go to school because you cannot get a substitute teacher for band, just so you know. But anyway, back to the point. I was there for 11 years saying, God, let me out of this season. And now I can look back and realize God was preparing me for what I do now in a way that he never could have if I'd actually been working at a church. It's kind of like Karate Kid, wax on, wax off. You get frustrated and you find out you're actually learning something. So let me, let me show you what God was doing. This is how cool God is, everybody. So first thing, because I was a band director, nobody had to take my class. They have to take math. You don't even have to be a good math teacher. They still have to show up and listen to you. You don't have to explain things. You can just fail them on the test because they have to pass your class. They have to show up in your class. No disrespect to math teachers. I'm sure you're great. I'm just saying you didn't have to be, right? Okay, but here's the point. No one has to take band. And so if I'm mean, if I'm horrible and nobody learns something, they go to the guidance office tomorrow and they never show up again. Somehow I had to learn how to be a fun teacher while still being a good teacher while also being a challenging teacher because nobody wants to keep coming back to a class that they're horrible in. And nobody wants to be in a band that never gets a trophy. And so I actually had to somehow be fun enough and, and engaging enough, and, but at the same time be challenging enough that I could get students to stand in a hundred degree heat all summer long, learning how to do all those little pictures in between the halftime and stuff, you know? Even though they were never gonna win a trophy until like October and get them to come back the next day to stand in the heat for 12 hours again. Crazy. Why would they ever want to do that? I had to actually look at them when they first started playing and say, you sound like a dying animal. You need to practice so you stop sounding like a dying animal. And I had to do it with such a nice smile that they came back to class the next day. Why am I telling you that? Because it was perfect preparation for you. See, here's the reality. You don't have to come back next week. You get to never come back again. Somehow, I have to stand up here every week and say, oh, y'all just so awesome. Not quite like you should be just yet. Quite a few character flaws. God is God. You're not quite there yet. Let's work on some things. And do it in such a way that you come back next week to hear more. Yep, still not quite there yet. Let's keep working on all those flaws you got. Perfect training. Second thing that I learned I happened to teach band in a school district that had really given up on the arts. So they didn't fund us. They said, You're, you should be grateful that we give you a classroom. And in addition to getting everybody to show up day after day after day, I had to get them to pay for it. See, if you want to be in the band, you're going to have to pay for the band because the football team never will. Perfect training. Because if you want the church to make a difference on the earth, God's people will have to pay for it. Atheists never will. You don't have to, but somehow we've got to. 
And the third thing I learned was that my seniors, no matter how much I thought they loved me, just left. <laughs> Something about graduation and freedom. They didn't really care about band class ever again. And I remember when sixth grade, they put all their instruments together and I went, okay, here we go, let's make a sound. And it sounded like a flock of geese getting run over by a bus and I thought, Jesus, take me now. <laughs> but I had to put up with that sound. And day after day, Help them move one step, one little thing, do one thing, so that by the time they were seniors, they sounded marvelously, only so that they could leave. And what that trained me for was realizing what I do is not about gathering a crowd, but it's about training people to take a step every day closer to God, because at some point, I always remind you of this and you never cheer, but we're all gonna die. And the kingdom of God will be in the hands of the young people that don't even know who Jesus is or how to spell his name yet. We are always having to turn to the freshmen and develop them to raise up the next generation to carry on the torch after you and I are done. And that's what God was doing for me for 11 years. Little did I know when I'm begging him to get me out of the season, he was actually making me better at this season. Aren't y'all glad for all those prayers God never answers? All right, so look, I'm gonna leave you here. I wanna leave you with three questions. In just a moment, they're gonna put these on the screen. And when they do, I want you to know, you're going to either need to take a picture, you're going to need to write them down. You will not be able to answer them right now. The, the internal processing is too much. Also, these are not three questions for you to answer today and be done with. These are three questions you're going to need every time you find yourself in a season and you're not quite sure you're moving the way you need to be moving. So I want to challenge you to personally answer these questions. Number one, what season am I in? You've got to know. Are you in get ready for marriage season? Are you in get ready for career season? Are you in get ready for retirement because you're not gonna have a paycheck anymore season? Are you in grandparent season? What season are you in? What is God doing? How many of you want to do something productive for God and it just isn't there yet? What season of development are you in? Second question is what do you believe God is doing? And I use the word believe because you don't have to be a perfect prophet. You just have to sincerely say, God, what, what are you doing? I mean, from my human perspective, as best I can tell, what are you doing? Which leads to the third one, what should I be doing in this season? And if you're gonna ask the question, what should I be doing in this season? You also need to ask the flip side, what should I not be doing in this season? It's not helping. And I'm gonna leave you with one last piece of advice on the whole topic, but it really fits into this. What should I be doing in this season? For those of you that have found yourself stuck, frustrated, bored, mad at God, mad at everybody else, whatever the story is, one piece of advice. Stop the self-guided tours of life. It doesn't go well. Middle school football players without a coach, they don't do well. You need a coach. If I were teaching this message outside of church, I would say everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs someone who can help you grow and learn and take a step down the course of your life. But because we're in church, which means hopefully everybody here wants what God wants for their lives and you want to follow God and his plan for your life, then I'm gonna say it this way. Everyone needs a pastor. We gotta stop the self-guided tours of life. Everyone needs a pastor. And let me be very clear. When I say everyone needs a pastor, I don't mean you need a guy on stage that you wave at in a restaurant. Hey there, Pastor Jimmy. You don't have a conversation with me about your soul. 
You need a pastor that you have a conversation with about your life and your soul. That does not even need to be a pastor on staff at your church. It does not even have to have an office in this building. It just needs to be somebody who loves God, believes his word is the highest authority, and is further down the course of life than you. Because they can help you. Because the self-guided tours is why you got stuck on that little road in the Alaskan wilderness and you haven't been moving. You didn't realize what was in front of you. You don't know how to get out of it. You don't know how to get moving again. Stop the self-guided tours through life. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you are such an intentional God. Everything you have ever done has come with great purpose. Everything you are doing, you do with great purpose. Everything in our lives is meant with great purpose. So God, today we, we just repent to you of any time that we've tried to do it our own way in our own timing. We've either skipped something or we just said we didn't care or we just sat back, crossed our arms and decided to be bored. God, forgive us for not moving forward in the season that you have for us. God, we thank you that your grace is there in every season. We thank you that your mercy is there when we lose our way. So today we just worship you and your goodness and say, God, would you help us to be aware of our season and what you are doing so then we can do what you've called us to do. If you just stay in a place of prayer, I want to speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. As simply as I can explain this, our God is perfectly holy, but as humans, we're not. And that thing that separates us, that the difference between God's holiness and us, we call it sin. It's the biblical word. The problem is sins have to be paid for. The good news is God loved you and me so much that he didn't leave us to pay for those sins on our own. So he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, to die on the cross in our place. So when he was crucified, his body was broken, his blood was shed, it paid for your sins and mine. And because of that, we can be made right with God. And because we're forgiven and right with God, we now have eternal life with him. We call this the free gift of salvation. But like any gift, it has to be received. And if you have never exchanged the life you've been living for the one that Jesus has for you, I want to help you do that right now. Wherever you are, would you say something like this to yourself and to God? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my simple prayer today, would you fill me with your spirit? And give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Would you all help me celebrate with them, everybody?